the Lost World Minute, the Move Minute podcast reviewing 997 sequel to Jurassic Park, one minute time. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And today we're here to discuss Minute 53 of the Lost World. Dave, it's a new week, and we have some Tyrannosaurs to talk about shortly. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. T-Rex, T-Rex, T-Rex. We've got a, uh, before we get there, we've got a little bit of news we can talk about. Um, word and rumours going around uh, are plenty online at the moment that... Uh, some sort of trail is all but confirmed for November. So um, we talked mm-hmm. a little bit. We talked a little bit last week or the week before that uh, we're looking forward to a trailer, but just don't give us a teaser for the teaser. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. I'm excited to see the trailer. Looking like it's going to be um, a really good movie, at least from what I've seen just from uh, Real News Hawaii and all them. Hmm. So I'm definitely excited. Yep. Yeah, there's been a couple more small videos coming out of there of just uh, like camera trucks and that scene mm-hmm. on uh, on Hawaii when they were filming a few months ago. So um, I loved I love all that sort of behind the scenes stuff. But even um, marketing sort of slowly starting to get into gear now. We've seen a couple of weeks ago um, some of the food and hygiene products and that with the Jurassic World logo, the T Rex and some of the animals, familiar animals on it. Yeah, speaking of the T-Rex, I really got to say that the um, CGI render that they're using for this, uh, for Fallen Kingdom, is far, far superior to the one that was used previously for Jurassic World. The one for Jurassic World seemed really rather generic and kind of um, almost cartoonish in the way it was shown, especially in the way it was lit. It would, the, the colors were way too light. Everything about it was just, I don't know, off. And why I'd have to say. Whereas this looks a lot like the T-Rex that I'd expect to see. It looks like the T-Rex that was um, in Dress Park and in the Lost World, and it was used a lot in the marketing there. That or not the um, the maquette head that they used for the uh, carded figures and stuff. Yeah, well, we got um, in Jurassic World's marketing, we got most of the dinosaur reveals in those sort of. Uh photorealistic sort of well, maybe not photorealistic it sort of it looked like the animal you could definitely identify it as um the jurassic t-rex but it was just sort of the weird pose or it just seemed to be like a hand drawn and not an actual image of the cg frame or render mm-hmm. um yeah and for what we've seen with especially blue and the t-rex on some of this packaging um mm-hmm. It just looks it looks a lot closer to like the CG stuff and not just a uh, an artist's impression of it. Yeah, really. But that's uh, that stuff sort of all starting to get into full production now. As a lot of uh, marketing stuff is coming mm-hmm. out. I um I visited a local or oh, um big shopping center, a big mall in the uh, capital city here this weekend. Just gone and um. They still had the big animatronic T-Rex and Jurassic World stuff up from when Jurassic World came out. So I seen it from across the way and thought, oh my God, they've got Fallen Kingdom stuff out already or some sort of marketing mm-hmm. for it and uh, ran across and realized, no, it's the same. <laughs> that scaled blues and reds that uh, was on packaging for the original Jurassic yeah, World. Yeah, uh, kind of like uh, crocodile scutes. Yeah, yep, yep, that stuff. I'm looking forward. I just just looking forward to see sort of how they're going to put their spin on the animals this this time. Um, mm-hmm. 
we've seen with the T-Rex and Blue on the packaging, we can pretty much guarantee that they're going to be back. So. Um, oh, yeah. Blue's definitely, I think, going to be a big player for these films. Yeah, yep. So we'll see what she's been up to. Mm-hmm. The, uh, time passed. Uh, the, um, what we've seen so far in the foodstuffs and the um, hygiene products, they're going with like a bit darker coloring tone rather than the, um, like you said, the blue and red. But I'm curious what will the, be on the um, carded figures, like the um, the toys and the toy boxes and stuff like that. Because yeah. the Lost World had a really cool scheme with that kind of... Uh, funky green and palm leaf uh, foliage uh, theme going on with the warning tape. Oh, yeah, that, the warning tape was one of my favourite parts about the packaging for The Lost World. It, yeah. just, it didn't really... I suppose it doesn't really make sense, but it just it looks cool. It, it's easy to identify. Mm-hmm, um, definitely. Um, on all so the boxes. I'm looking forward to see if they're going to go for some kind of like dark forest kind of look on the... Um, on the toy packaging for Fallen Kingdom. Yeah. Yeah, and the the logo itself, just that crumbly logo is... I'm warming up to that even more, more and more, just... Um, it, it makes more sense than what the uh, the Lost World logo was because it shouldn't have been the Jurassic Park logo. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm just loving that and just want to see how they incorporate that onto uh, a lot of the other packaging as well. Mm-hmm. Um... We've got, there's, uh, I think, Comic-Con in November, New York, um, or Toy Fair in February. That'll be the two where we might start seeing some stuff. If they're going to try and get stuff out before Christmas, then mm-hmm. New York New York Comic-Con is where we might see some reveals. Mm-hmm. Now, I did hear a rumor, speaking of which, that there might be some stuff coming in November. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how much weight is to that rumor because that seems like something they started marketing already and we've seen like zero anything on the radar for it. So I'm not sure if there's any traction to that rumor, but hey, if there's stuff coming in November, I'm all game, you know? Yeah, yep. Yeah, it'd depend on where or what it was coming from. I don't mm-hmm. I don't think as part of the... Uh... Mattel taking over, they wouldn't have got any assets previously made by Hasbro, so it wouldn't be a a new Raptor Squad four pack or something with better paint on it. It'd be have to be new figures. Yeah. That they've produced. Well, that's what I heard is that Mattel is really eager to um, prove themselves, and so that's why I heard that they're ready to kind of get stuff out as soon as possible. Yeah, I wonder if some of the Kenner stuff was acquired by them when they took over the license as well. Because if, oh, they've, got, if they've got molds, if they've got molds for just the Explorer, for instance, um, it'd be something quick and easy to get back out there before Christmas <laughs> and, and build hype. <laughs> <laughs> Wishful thinking, maybe. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know how all that works, all that corporate stuff, so... We'll yeah, see soon. We haven't got long... Mm-hmm. Just the wait continues. Yeah. Fire! Suck the milk on fire! Face cap! Alright, ready to get into 53. Sure. As we enter minute 52 of The Lost World, the Gavra's Mercedes M-Class went tumbling off a cliff. Ian was looking out the window, 
to see what had caused the incident. As we start minute 53, a dark shadow emerges from the window behind him, and as it roars, the image comes into focus to reveal the female Tyrannosaur. At 52 minutes and 4 seconds, the male's head emerges from the opposite side of the trailer. There's two of them. The male growls at Ian through the window and then sees its baby on the table. At 52 minutes and 25 seconds, the male opens its jaws and bellows a long roar. It lowers its head again and nudges the trailer, rocking it slightly, causing the people inside to move to the right towards the female. At 52 minutes and 36 seconds, the baby starts to vocalise, even though its mouth is still muzzled. It can growl and snort at the female outside the window. Both parents continue to communicate with the baby, and it responds. And we get a nice moment of parents and their baby communicating with each other. At 52 minutes and 59 seconds, we get the only line of dialogue from the minute, from Sarah. This isn't hunting behaviour, Ian. And this ends minute 53 of The Lost World. Last minute we've seen the uh, shadow of the T-Rex in the window behind Ian, but now as it grow, uh, growls, as it growls, it, um, it comes into focus beautifully. Um, mm-hmm. Just that big head fully framed in that window. Yeah, I love the T-Rex head uh, framed in this window here, the way that the humans are kind of be- the ones that are actually behind bars away from the T-Rex, instead of the T-Rex being a- behind bars away from the humans, you know? Yeah, yep. It's a great juxtaposition between the first film and this movie. Mm. Yep, and the, we also get sort of Ian starts to heavily <laughs> breathe heavily here like, oh crap, <laughs> he's mm-hmm. uh, he's been this close to him before and it hasn't ended well. The uh, female T-Rex here, and I believe I mentioned this before, but just to refresh the memories of our viewer or listeners, the female T-Rex here has a slightly different color pattern from the T-Rex from the first film, where the first film had a kind of more multi-coloring, the molted browns and beiges. Yep. The female T-Rex in this uh, movie has more of a distinct striping pattern over the snout and along the back. Mm-hmm. And so it's more of a flat brown instead of a molted brown. Yeah, well, that's the um, that's the females, the first one we see here out the window. Mm-hmm. Okay, because we cut to the opposite side of the trailer, and um, yeah. the second Rex head appears. And one thing I do like when this one comes on, you can see a clear scar, sort of on the animal's yeah. uh, between its nostril and its eye. Mm-hmm. Um, something I'd be interested to see if it uh, carries on. For the rest of the film, if that scar's there, I assume it would be. Oh, it definitely is. Yeah, because those, um, those scars are, except in some forms of the CGI model. Depending on the CGI model they're referencing, yep. the scar is there, and sometimes it's not along the snout. Yep. For the first part, for the first time, I just noticed that as the male's head comes down, you can see the thigh of the female kind of in the background past the trailer there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cause I'll. This is where I'll uh, crawl back in my little hole because as much as I love this film and even these films, um, identifying the difference in the species uh, is something I haven't really looked a lot into. Um, <laughs> no, I know, obviously know that it's a male that goes to San Diego at the end, but just if you put those mm-hmm. two side by side, 
I wouldn't be able to tell you what the difference <laughs> difference was. So it was one thing coming into this that I really wanted to find out. Um, well, um, the main difference between the two is that the male has scars along its uh, snout and is a distinct green color with a beige uh, coloration on its on its uh, finestra there, the snout, and yellow striping along the back striping on the back. Yeah. And it's also um, got a kind of, they retooled the head a bit so that the um, brow, the ridge of bone over its brow, is uh, much more bony and kind of um, bumpier. Okay. The snout as well. Yeah, I have noticed that before, that, that larger brow over the eye. Um, mm-hmm. And one final thing that they did with the male is that they um, redid the sounds for it. They, they actually redid the entire sound design on the male. Yep. Instead of uh, using baby elephant as the bass, they used baby elephant-like sounds, like capybaras and weird Costa Rican animals mm-hmm. that they all picked up in a, at a zoo in San Diego, I think. And so they, the bass, the male sound is a much deeper, bassier, and even more gravelly kind of sound where it kind of has more of a growl to its roar. Oh, yeah. yep. yep. Nice. So, yeah, the male on here comes up on the um, left side of the trailer. Yeah. It is the one that they give the baby to. Yep. Okay. But then they switch it. I'm not sure how they switched this because they're running along on these railroad tracks. But they switched it so that when they come back out and confront Eddie, the male is on the driver's side instead of the passenger side. Mm-hmm. American passenger side, sorry. Yep. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, that's all right. I'm just, yeah, I'm just sort of thinking about the scar on its snout now. Um, I would have loved to see some sort of scarring on the neck and maybe the top of the shoulders to show that it may have uh, had to fight another T-Rex to uh, get this mate or something like oh, yeah, that. Yeah, that would have been really cool. Um, well, yeah, that was definitely one of the ideas behind it when Shane Mahan designed the T-Rex was that they wanted um, these battle scars that showed that these T-Rex have been fighting over um, the rights to mate and food and resources and even territory. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, even the sort of the scars on its snout, it could have been, it could have been a raptor or something that's tried to eat and, um, mm-hmm. it's like last ditch scar in the nose as it's being eaten alive or, um, could have even been defending its infant too, or another infant yeah, we haven't right. seen. Yeah, um, there's a possibility. But it just, having the scars there just sort of, um, there's a story there to be told. We probably don't need to know what it is, but it's just interesting to look at it and uh, see that yeah. bit of detail. Yeah, it does definitely give the animal a bit of character. Oh, and um, forgot one other uh, distinct um, feature of the male is that he's got a waddle. They kind of gave him like a not as not as big as a turkey's waddle, but like a small waddle along the neck, so the neck is thicker oh, okay, yep. than the females. Yep. There you go. <laughs> That's how you identify T Rex on sauna. Mm-hmm. Um, but we uh, there's one sort of little geography issue here because you've got um, both Rexes at the very last window of the trailer, uh, facing forward if if you're to walk along the trailer. So they're pretty much tails are hanging out over the cliff. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
there I'll... is actually a bit of weird geography geography going on in the with the trailers because in the um when we see the trailers over at Patrick's Point, they're parked alongside like um sideways along with the cliff. Yeah. But then when they built the set, they built the set so that the gimbal trailer could overturn and be pushed or directly over the cliff without having to turn anything. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so a little little thing there issue because of the change in location with our filming. Because mm-hmm. once it's yeah, once it's upside down, rolled and upside down, it's on top of that uh, parking structure at Universal. Mm-hmm. Um, but because also too the, uh, well, assuming that the uh, the males on that side here must have been the one that flipped the M class over the uh, the cliff. But see, then he's at the cliff's edge, so um, mm-hmm. you would have thought you'd see him walking past the windows as Ian's out there looking before the female comes down to the other window, but. Um, but it's okay. We've got two mm-hmm. T-Rexes here on the scene. Um, mm-hmm. two, two of them. This is the reveal that there's a second one. So it sort of just makes it... Uh, makes the, the sort of uh, danger of the situation a little bit more. And we see that when we cut back inside the trailer and uh, Ian sort of buries himself in that back corner trying to stay mm-hmm. out of their sight where Sarah and Nick are just standing by the table with the infant. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, um, that's another thing I like is that the um, these two giant, giant predators just come right out of the darkness and come right out of the uh, rain, in fact, and so it creates a very kind of spooky effect that these two giant predators, you can't even see them coming if, you don't want, if they don't want you to. Yeah. Well, that's it, and it's sort of, it was one of the one of the things early, shown early on in Jurassic Park, where if the T-Rex was coming, you'd see the ripples and all that sort of thing, and a lot of people were upset at the end of the movie because it turned up mm-hmm. all of a sudden without uh, alerting anyone to its presence. But um, same thing here. There's no ripples. They're just there. We certainly, we obviously seen them with the high hide earlier, but uh, no one in the trailer sort of had any idea what was about to happen. Mm. But we do get that little ripple callback later on in the creek bed. And yeah. It's nice and subtle there. It's sort of, we know what mm-hmm. it means. Ian knows what it means. And, um, mm-hmm. But we'll get to there. We uh, we get a nice little cut or uh, slow pan here from the female to the male through the trailer as they're sort of cooing and moaning, or not moaning, but growling at the uh, baby mm-hmm. as it sort of fully comes awake. And again, you get the animatronic here acting great against the uh, the big animatronics outside the windows. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also really cool that we um, <clears throat> that we get this kind of uh, shot that these animals aren't, like Sarah says, they're not really hunting. They're kind of just investigating what this new thing is in their territory. Yeah, and yeah. why is there a baby inside it? <laughs> yeah. But then we get the, uh, the iconic mouth open and the bellow from the T-Rex mm-hmm. which on that side would be the male mm-hmm. on the left hand side um, yep, the green one. yep and there's one little nitpick here like these animatronics do look so good but I noticed mm-hmm. we were two watching last night that, uh, when the jaws go to close you've got that bit of skin inside the jaw that sort of yeah. breaches the two yeah. and you see it sort of clumsily fo- uh, fold as it 
as the jaws come close to game, which it's, that's that's a that's a high heel nitpick right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the only thing that's really ever bugged me about the animatronic, but it's, it's the performance of the animatronic itself is so great that I can completely let it go. Yeah. Yeah, that's it, and that, that's it's sort of that's a um, a construction issue, and not in the actual performance of the animatronic. Uh, unlike one of my biggest pet peeves with Jurassic Park is when that T Rex head comes up above the Explorer, just as the mm-hmm. kids turn the light off, and because when that thing got wet, it got slow, it jerked, it moved, and it just sort of it pans its head left and right, and it looks like a five dollar mm-hmm. amusement animatronic. It just I really, really don't like how that was left in or wasn't reshot. But, um, but here, all the all the animatronics are fluid; they move great. We've uh, we've mm-hmm. come four years in technology where they can mm-hmm. be wet. Um, we see later on in, in Jurassic Park Three where they just put one in the river <laughs> or in the swimming mm-hmm. pool. So yeah, it, um, it's working good, and I hope I hope that uh, they've pushed the technology again for Fallen Kingdom. But again, we'll see. Me too. Then we get the uh, the adult, the, the male nudges the trailer and uh, causes the three humans to sort of uh, all stumble to the left or to the right mm-hmm. where the uh, female sort of roars and nudges the trailer back. A good little thing here, both adults are sort of testing what the trailer is. Um, yeah. Well, that's really, a, I think that they do a great job of showing different behaviours in the T-Rex in these movies. Because in the first film... Um, like the main road attack, that's not an attack at all. It's very exploratory in manner. T-Rex kind of just comes slowly uh, grumbling out of its uh, enclosure, not really caring that much. Goes up to, the, gets attracted to the explorer by the flashlight, and then just looks at it. It's like, oh, what's this thing? Yeah. You know, so turn, uh, starts nudging at it like the T-Rex do here. Kind of just investigating, testing what this new toy is. And flips it over and starts chewing on it like it's a chew toy. I mean, it's very, it's not hunting at all. Mm-hmm. And you look at what it, when a T-Rex hunts, when you see the T-Rex hunting the Gallimimus, it's like four seconds from the moment it springs from the tree line and it takes down a, and starts taking down a Gallimimus. Oh, yeah, it's, it knows what it, it knows what it wants it, to do before it bursts out of the foliage. Oh, yeah, it's very, it's very quick. You, you barely, it's a blink of an eye. Yeah. And that's the... There's a huge difference between a T-Rex hunting and a T-Rex just kind of investigating. And so when it's not exactly attacking the trailer here, at least not yet. But it's uh, if they wanted if that T-Rex wanted those humans for lunch, it could very it could easily take it apart and just kind of smash into it and trash it like it does the M-class, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, think about how quickly the T-Rex Tears apart the M class and picks Eddie out of it. Mm. If you wanted, if you wanted these people, you could, you could have them. Yep. You know. Yeah, and it's sort of going from one of my dislikes parts of that scene to like parts is once the T Rex has the Explorer on its side or on its top, mm-hmm. and uh, it sort of just nudges it and it's, hey, 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 you in there to Lex as she's screaming or to Tim as she's screaming and it sort of does that vocalization, sort mm-hmm. of. Um, like, hey, I want to eat you. <laughs> Come squeaky here. toy. Yeah, yeah. Like a puppy with a squeaky toy, you yeah. know? Very large and very dangerous puppy, but... 
you know. <laughs> yep. And then we get the uh, we get the both adults sort of cooing that to the to the baby, um, mm-hmm. and just a heavy rain falling on the heads and uh, beating down the windows, and um, the baby starts to respond back to it as well. And mm-hmm. it's just great here. We don't. There's no dialogue whatsoever. It's just pretty much a full minute of the T Rexes sort of communicating with each other and the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and this really goes back to um, Stan Winston's puppetry and his belief that he doesn't make movie monsters. And I hate when the Jurassic Park T-Rex gets in, uh, gets placed in the list of movie monsters because they're not monsters in these movies. They're animals. They have feelings. They, I mean, you know, they're large and dangerous and scary, but they still care for their young. They still are curious animals. They're still hungry animals. I mean, they just, as Ellen Grant says in the first movie, they do what they do. They're just reacting to their environment as any other animal would. Yeah. And Stan Winston's firm belief was that he didn't create movie monsters. He created characters. And he does a great job of making the dinosaurs characters in this puppetry. You know? And And that's it. Here we are, a minute with no dialogue, and the animatronics are acting. They're they're characters, mm-hmm. they're talking to each other. Mm-hmm. And it, I, just, I could just imagine being on set when they're going to work like this and you're acting, against, you're acting with them and against them. It's, it'd be awesome. Yeah. Instead of being on a green screen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no offense to the uh, work that CGI artists do. and They do a great job, but... There's just something about interacting with a practical effect that is so special, mm. I think. Yeah, I definitely agree there. Because, I mean, these are, they might be puppets, but as Stan Winston also reminded the cast and crew, you got to give them their space. They are, they do have the uh, hydraulic capability and power to crunch, crunch you. These mm. animals, or animatronics, can, should be treated like they're the real animal and should be given their res- due respect. Yep. Because they're dangerous pieces of machinery. If mishandled. Well, that's it. We'll get to uh, a little bit later on where Burke comes face to face with one, but um, mm-hmm. they actually they removed the teeth from the animatronic just so if it didn't glitch and bite down through his mm-hmm. arm, because uh, oh. that that animatronic actually pulled him out of the water. Mm-hmm. And there was also the very last scene they shot with the t- with that particular animatronic because, um, or yeah, because um, Sam Winston didn't know how it would go, and he actually had it go in reverse. He, um, I believe they shot that part in reverse where they actually have the um, T Rex head coming out of the waterfall instead of going into it because they couldn't see the people. Yeah. Behind that waterfall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just stick the head in there and squash them up against the back of the set. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, because there was that and just the fact that there was going to be water pouring on that head. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure, too, where they, uh, where it pulls Eddie out of the M-Class, that's, again, real person being pulled out by the animal. It's not CG until they do the, uh, oh, the little uh, flip. You can see... Yeah, you can see um, in the behind-the-scenes videos how they did it. They uh, strapped a thing to, um, I, th- uh, the, I think, I can't remember if it was Richard Schiff if they did it, or if it was just a stunt double. I'd have to they re-listen, I'd have to re-listen the Jurassic Cast podcast done an interview with Richard 
a couple months ago. I'll have to have a listen yeah. and, uh, and just see if... Because I remember he, he talks about being in the M-Class while the, the, uh, both animatronics are sort of moving back and forth over his head and just <laughs> he's sort of... Mm-hmm. Um, the awe of it. Just mm-hmm. having those two and animals the there. Again, another scene where the puppeteers had to be very precise because they couldn't. They were all behind the foliage there. They were all behind the mm. set fake plants, and so you can't. They couldn't see where the T Rex was directing. They had to watch it all on a video feed. Yeah, and that's and that's one big thing people don't realize that not just this, but other movies as well, where they got animatronics, the puppeteers have to be completely out of the way. Um, mm-hmm. We've seen we've seen one photo come out for Fallen Kingdom. Where you got yeah. five or six guys under a floor um, mm-hmm. operating something above. We don't know what that is, but they're operating something on a false floor above them. And the, the only way they can sort of see the, the practice and um, all that sort of stuff, but they've got a video monitor there so they can see what what the outcome is of their actions. Yeah. Um, it'd be it'd be an incredibly hard thing to do, I'd imagine. But it uh, would be, I'm sure. It's probably like operating a drone through a and all you have is the camera view of it, you know? Yeah, yep. You can't see the drone. All you can do is act on what the act on what the camera shots that you have of it is doing. Hmm. Well, even then, there's delays, and you can only see in one one spot. You can't see behind you, or. Um, right. Exactly. Gets fun. But uh, lastly, we get we finally get our only uh, line from the uh, minute, and that's Sarah. Ian, this isn't hunting behaviour, as you said earlier. It's just, mm-hmm. um, and we'll get the next minute. They're not hunting; they're searching. Which they've found, they found what they've come to, uh, what they're searching for, and now we uh, find out what happens mm-hmm. when they get to it. But uh, anything else on fifty three you want to bring up before we end off for today? I think we, uh, I think we've filled that minute out pretty well. Yeah, as as we said, it's like the only one bit of dialogue in this, and just the uh, the adults sort of going back and forth between them and the infant, and mm-hmm. it, um, for the most part, I feel it worked really well. Mhm. All right. All right, guys, let's get the hell out of here. Contact details are on the website thelostworldminute.com. You can email feedback to thelostworldminute at gmail.com. Facebook the Lost World Minute, Twitter at the Lost World Minute, and Instagram the Lost World Minute. Easy to remember. Yeah, yep, yeah, very easy to All remember. Right. <laughs> uh, David, thank you for joining me for this recording. You're welcome. And uh, we'll be back. I've been Brad. I'm Dave. And uh, we'll talk to you all later. Goodbye. Talk to you later. Bye. It is absolutely imperative that we work with the Costa Rican Department of Biological Preserves to establish a set of rules for the preservation and isolation of that island. These creatures require our absence to survive, not our help. And if we could only step aside and trust in nature, life will find a way.